0: Okay, you guys, here we go. She Runs Ultras, episode number 33. And in this episode, I wanted to introduce you to some friends of mine that are getting ready to run the ragged 75 stage race. Now, this is an event that I've personally done, and I've talked about it a lot on the podcast. So I thought it would be cool to get some additional perspectives on kind of just what goes into training for a race like this. So if you've been thinking about doing um, a big running challenge, Or, even more specifically, a multi day event, you'll really enjoy this conversation. Real quick, before we get started, I wanted to let you know up front that we had a few technical challenges while recording, and honestly, I've done my best with the audio, but there are a few spots where it might be tough to hear or like kind of a bit scratchy. My apologies. I've got a plan for this going forwards, but It is what it is. (laughs) So uh, again, I apologize. Hang in there with me. And without further delay, here's my conversation with Denise, Nicole, and Lorena. Um, So I mentioned the ragged three-day stage race on this show before. So I thought it would be fun to bring on some athletes that are preparing to tackle this race in basically like just a few weeks and to have them talk about their training so that if you're somebody who's thinking about doing a bigger or a longer event like this one, three-day stage race, that you can get a sense for what that's going to be like because I think it can be tough to know whether or not you are ready for something like this. I mean, my advice is always going to be just to go and do the damn thing, but sometimes it's nice to hear from others that maybe didn't have that approach coming into it. So I've had the privilege of working with each of these three ladies, uh, so I'm a little biased, but they are all awesome. (laughs) Um, And so we're just gonna dive right in. I'm gonna get them to introduce themselves so that you can learn a little bit more about them. And then we're gonna talk all things ragged, stage race, ultras all of that stuff. So uh, I just want you guys to say hello to Denise, to Nicole and Lorena and Denise, why don't we have you go first and just introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about you and then eventually we'll dive into kind of your history as a runner, how you got signed up for ragged the whole nine yards. So just give us like the quick and dirty version. Who is Denise? I'm Denise.
1: I am a mom of two girls six and eight and live in New Hampshire I work full-time but I work from home so I have a little bit of flexibility with my work schedule and I didn't really start running like really until I moved to New Hampshire which was about 12 years ago and that's when I really like developed the love for trails and hike really kind of hiking melded into running Um,
0: no, that's fine. We'll hang off on holding, talking about running just for a second. And then we'll kind of take a whole big conversation about like signing up for ragged training, the whole nine yards. Okay. So let's get, uh, Lorena, do you want to go next?
2: Sure. Um, hi everyone. I'm Lorena. I'm an artist and an educator and a runner. I live in Norwalk Connecticut, which is about an hour from New York city. And I first got into running really in college, coming from just a season of playing soccer um, competitively and transitioning out of that. Um, I've done some small endurance events in the past and half marathon road races, but this is definitely my first long distance, my first ultra, and my first real um, rugged trail
0: race. So I'm excited for it. Awesome. Denise, will you just tell us a little bit about like what you've done in the past? Cause I think you have like some interesting, you know, every, every single one of you have, have done different things and it's always cool to know like what you have done, what you come from, what your background is like. Sure.
1: Yeah. So when I first moved to New Hampshire, I was actually part of a a track team, the Milers. And so I did it, like started with just 5k kind of things. And then that led to to the mountain series the I guess it's the New Hampshire mountain series it's not all in New Hampshire though I forget what it's called but um and I did that to get to like win entry to the Mount Washington road race because you can get in by lottery or by completing the Mm -hmm. trails series it turns out I ended up winning the lottery so I got to do Mount Washington in 2010 and then 2011 because I had done the series and then I did it again in 2018 after a long break in running. And then I did it again this year. Um, other than that, I've done a couple half marathons, but nothing like ragged, <laughs> nothing long distance, no ultras. This is my first go at it.
0: Awesome. I think that's a really great like perspective for people to hear too. That, And we'll get into this a little bit more, but I kind of want to interject here with the fact that like, Taking on a big challenge like this doesn't have to come as part of like a logical progression from 5k to 10k to half to full to then an ultra and then a stage race. Like, you can really, with the right training, make these kind of jumps all over the place to follow whatever is most interesting to you versus, oh, I have to do X, Y, or Z before I can do ABC. So, I think it's cool that you guys are sharing this stuff because it's Really helpful for people to hear and know that that's a viable route for them. So, uh, Nicole, do you want to share a little bit about you? Yeah.
3: So, um, my name is Nicole, and I'm also from New Hampshire. And um, I am also a mom. I have one daughter, um, and then I have three canine fur children. Um, I have a dog adoption addiction. <laughs> so, um, and I also work full time like Denise. I am. I do work from home though, so I do have that added flexibility, which is really nice. Um, I would say that I actually got into running about 15 years ago as part of um, kind of a mental health initiative for me coming out of college and going into my master's program. I was really struggling with anxiety, so I was looking for a really healthy way to kind of um, cope with that and build, you know, healthier coping mechanisms. And, you know, my therapist suggested just, like, getting outside more, and that became really... um, absolutely critical to my mental health. And it's been something that I've just absolutely loved ever since. As far as the races that I've done um, in the past, I've done, you know, I started really doing 5Ks um, when I was um, at Oregon State um, pursuing my undergrad and then um, built up to really like half marathons, um, you know, all throughout the West coast. I moved to or or from Oregon to New Hampshire a couple of years ago. So most of the races were in the West coast. Um, but yeah, one of my favorites, I think was probably the Disneyland superhero half marathon where we got through, got to run through angel stadium. That was very fun.
0: (laughs) That's cool. (laughs) Um, okay. So I think like one of the big themes here is, especially for me, because I came to running like so much later. Um, I didn't really run except for, you know, if I was playing my sports or, and, or as punishment for, you know, not playing sports well or not arriving to practice on time, like some of the typical stuff that you might have done, you know, back in the day. Um, so I think it's always good for people to get a context of, like when you started running and you guys definitely provided a little bit of that. But I think I want to kind of dive right into like what prompted you to sign up for this race? Because as you guys were saying, you know, you've done some things here or there, you've hiked, you've done halves, you've, you know, done a little bit of vertical when we talk about the Mount Washington road race, but like what about this race and particularly the fact that it's a three-day stage race that covers, you know, upwards of 75 miles. Um, what about it was enticing for you? And like, just, you knew that you needed to sign up for it. Anybody who wants to answer can fire away. Sure. So I actually have a um, pretty
3: quick and easy answer for it. <laughs> so I, um, uh we during COVID we actually bought a treadmill, and on the treadmill it has a program um, that allows you to run, you know, a lot of different races and terrain throughout the world with different trainers. And um there was one, this incredible female trail runner, Lucy Bartholomew, that was running the um transalpine ultra marathon through the Alps. And I'm just thinking, oh my gosh, like what an adventure. This seems so cool. And then I thought to myself, I got to do that. You know, like I have to do that. some point in my life, I've got to do that. And then I thought to myself, I've never done anything like that. (laughs) You know, so how do I get some sort of exposure to something like that just so I can go into something? Because the Trans Alpine Ultra is like eight days long um, and like 150, over 150 miles. It's it's a big one. Um, But how do I get some exposure to that and but go in? you know, with a little bit of confidence saying, okay, I've done something like this. I've built the skills I've worked, you know, I know I can accomplish this much bigger goal. So this ragged really for me is a necessary stepping stone to get to that larger goal.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Denise, I saw your, your hand go up. What were you going to say?
1: Well, mine also stems from COVID a bit and is, I didn't really run COVID and, I used to run with a running partner and then, you know, we were both parents and didn't have time or, and weren't in the same bubble. So running was paused and I know I could have done it myself, but I just didn't. Uh, so I was looking to get back into running and just getting any movement and exercise really after COVID. And so I signed up for Mount Washington to start. and it was like a random thing where you could actually just sign up. <laughs> like normally it's a lottery, but this year you could just sign up. And I posted it on find or what's, what's your Facebook?
0: Oh, the find your ultra group. Um, yep. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Find your ultra Facebook group. I posted it there. Yeah. And you said, Oh, well, we have this group starting up the run faster, farther, stronger group. Maybe you should join. Cause it was like right at the same time as the first group. And so I, joined the group thinking i was going to be training for mount washington and then the group really inspired me to think bigger and ragged was enticing because of the trail i really like trail running i don't really like run road running and i like like camping and backpacking type things so that's the part that enticed me to this particular race and i'd heard you talk about it in the past (laughs) Because I've been following you for
0: a while, you might—I might have been planting little seeds like all along the way. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome, Lorena.
2: What about you? Yeah, so I came to Ragged. I think just from searching for this kind of a race um, last year, I really went through a whole whirlwind of things that happened and was dealing with a lot of grief and loss and um, especially in August and things just came to head and sort of exploded in my life. So I really, every time for running, turned to that to be able to work through some of that stuff. And uh, when I, I used to live in Philly before Connecticut uh, for my grad school and teaching, and I knew someone who ran a 50K and I always admired that sort of endurance and persistence needed for a race like that. And uh, so that was a few years ago. And ever since, I thought, wow, that's a goal that I feel is just beyond my reach. But if I took the time to really you know, hone in and train in a smart way, I might be able to do it. So I saw this race and the date of it was really significant for me. Um, in August. I love the terrain, being able to move through, you know, the mountains and the woods and the views. And I felt like that was going to be, you know, the ultimate conquering of feeling like I've overcome something impossible from this year. Um, And so that's why I was excited to sign up. And I didn't tell many people that I signed up until I felt pretty good in my training (laughs) that I was going to accomplish it. I mean, we have still a month yet to figure that out. If we, you know, get through it or not, I'm only doing that 50 K as opposed to the stage race, but um, you know, it's, it's an exciting journey.
0: Yeah. I think that's an interesting point. Cause like Denise, you and I have had conversations about, you know, telling people that you're doing these things. And so um, I'd be interested to kind of like go down that road a little bit because, I think there is something to this, especially if it's your first time doing a bigger race or something that is maybe like a complete departure from what you have done in the past. And, you know, some of the nerves or the apprehension or the fears maybe that kind of creep in and, you know, like, I definitely, for me, I'll just like talk about me for a second and then you guys can share. But when I was first starting, like going to do my first ultra there, I didn't tell too many people because I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to do it. And, you know, I had, I had survived a couple road marathons, knew that I just, that wasn't going to be my thing, that I just did not like running on the roads all that much. Wasn't fun didn't enjoy running in the concrete jungle, would much prefer to be like out on the trails, just like you all have said. And so I didn't really tell too many people. And it was partially because I didn't want to get, this was way back a long time ago, but I didn't want to get the blowback from, oh, are you sure you really want to do that? Like, are you sure that's safe? Are you going to be okay? Like, are you sure it's like safe to run that far? Not, alone, not only just are you going to be safe in the woods, like doing all of that stuff. So I didn't really tell a lot of people. I kind of kept it to myself. And then eventually, I think once I had my first ultra under my belt, that's when I was a little more confident in saying... Yes, I can do this. Like, I'll just share upfront or outright that I'm going to do these things. So I don't know, like, Denise, if you want to share, because I know you and I have had some conversations about it, but like, what's been your experience with like telling people or like, you know, explaining to people what this challenge is that you're going to do?
1: Yeah, I definitely like, even as you introduced us as athletes, (laughs) I still have apprehension (laughs) with that.
0: Which was on purpose, by the way.
1: <laughs> so, because, so part of this was like, kind of like regaining my own identity, especially after COVID of like, basically giving it up to taking, like, just like taking care of the kids, getting them through school, getting to work done, like getting through the day to day, every day. And I happened, they happened to sign up for cross country skiing and I had an hour a week when they were practicing to myself where I could go cross country ski myself. And it was like the best hour <laughs> ever. And I realized I need more of this. So that's when I started looking at the running thing. But then when I signed up for ragged, I didn't, I, I guess like part of it was like, I didn't want unsolicited advice. I didn't want people thinking I was spending all my time running and like, how was she ever going to take care of, rest of my priorities um and I still have to admit I kind of downplay it like people are like wow that's like that's so amazing and I'm like oh I'm hiking most of it which I am but I should I need I still need to embrace it a little
2: more yeah Lorena what were you gonna say I was gonna piggyback off of that and say you know the people that we do let in on our goals and, you know, what we're working towards, I think are the people we really trust. And so I think a big part of training is knowing, you know, who your circle is, whether that be, you know, a circle of support from caring friends and family or a circle of support through athletes, like in Megan, your run Far- farther, faster, stronger program um, that, you know, it's not trying to seek validation from other people that, oh, yes, you sign up for this epic race, but, you know, how do you move through that process and, you know, being smart about who you let in and and who you kind of keep on the side. And I know we, we kind of talk about that too. Um, I love, Denise, what you said about, you know, refining your identity um, as a, a runner, as an athlete, as a mom, and, you know, carving out your own goals, because I think every runner um, who signs up for for any sort of event is looking to, to have that in some sort of a way. And, you know, it's, it's one of the best parts and the best feelings when you finish an event and you can feel that sense of accomplishment and confidence coming from that and the work you put in.
0: Yeah, I think that's huge. That's a, that's a great point, Lorena. Thank you for bringing that up because, you know, there's, I think there's definitely a lot of, there can be a lot of apprehension signing up, like, you know, kind of going out on a limb like doing something that you've never done before, you know, catching, you know, some flack or like people having input or things to say. And your, your point about keeping people close are the ones that we trust. And I, that has been my experience as well about like who you tell and who you don't. Um, but just thinking about taking these big challenges and, and shifting, how you kind of move through your days, how you structure your life and your training. Um, And then to come out one of the best feelings for me was like finishing that first um, marathon and then that first 50 K and then, you know, on from there, it's like every time I finish another race, whether I've done the distance before or not, it's still a big accomplishment because there are always a set of challenges and obstacles that you're going to face from the time that you sign up to the time that you toe the line. And then from the time that you toe the line to the time that you finish. And it's just, that is something that nobody can take away from you, no matter whether they know about it ahead of time or not. So I just, that's, I think that's just really super important and something we should highlight too. Denise, what were you going to say?
1: Yeah, I was just going to say like thinking back to the beginning, uh, that I act, like so I know, know Nicole through PESPTO. And when I found out that she was doing it, it like I signed up for myself, knowing not any, like I didn't know anybody else signing up. And then when I was like, oh, Nicole's doing it, it did, it was like this instant competition or like, it added this like stress of, oh, what if she finishes and I don't? Or like, am I, what am I doing? <laughs> like, and I have luckily switched that around <laughs> over the weeks, the months, really. Uh, and now I'm so excited to have people I know at the race. And I, I, I it actually took Mount Washington for me to really feel that. Because I, I had my family there, and they were huge support. But I didn't have any other runner friends there. And I saw the other groups and they're like all getting pumped up the race. And i like, Oh, I can't wait till ragged when I know. The other people." <laughs> so excited that you're in. Google.
0: Yeah, totally. So I guess that kind of leads us into, um, let's talk a little bit about like, what, what are you most nervous or scared or anxious about when it comes to tackling this race, this event? So what I would say, what I would say is, um,
3: I don't know if it's just arrogance or what, but it's like, I'm not really worried about running it. Um, probably because I know like Denise, I'm going to be hiking most of it. You know, my plan is I'm hiking up. I'm going to slow jog the the flats and the, and the descent. Like that's my plan, you know, and if it, it might work, it might not. I don't know, but I'm going to do, I'm going to do my best. Um, for me, it's like, and I've told you this, Megan, it's for me, it's the logistics of it. Like, okay. So do, you have, do like should do, should I have coffee before I leave? Like what you know? What do I pack in my cooler? What what are pe- you know? And it's um, just remembering all of the details and um, making sure that I set myself up for success logistically, um, and not just this training pro- portion, which so many of us and I think all of us here have been working on for months. Like at this point, it's just kind of ingrained. You know, like I'll I'm gonna do it. You know, I'm gonna show up. I'm gonna do it, but. What is it going to look like when I'm there?
0: Yeah. What do you guys think? Do you guys have logistic fears as well, just in terms of like what to pack, what to bring, what to expect or?
1: Yeah. I've been through it a bit. Like I, I it comes up, but like it ha- like I had those fears. They were higher, I guess at one point and I'm getting through it, but um, they're still there. Cause I haven't done it yet. So they're still there. They're lingering, but not as bad as they were at one moment. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I feel the same that, you know, I, I'm very much a planner and I like to have things in a row and organized before <laughs> I do anything. And sometimes that's really good to have that preparedness feeling. But also, I think especially in training, sometimes you just have to nip it in the bud and and just get out there. Um, so doing things in tandem, you know, working through problems, um, you know, learning from experience is something that we're constantly returning back to. And because this is my first ultra and my first really marathon and up distance, I am really walking in as a beginner. Uh, so, that point about hiking, I, I definitely am going to rely on that too, even though it's just for the Sunday race. And um, even for me, not being from the area, looking up the maps. I mean, I'm contacting the race director for the GPX file of the course. I just I'm trying to do everything I can to to quell those fears in a way, but at the same time if you've put in the work, you know in you know your own heart that you're ready or not. And I think that's that's a differentiating factor between, you know, anyone signing up for the race and feeling like daunted. Well, if you have the amount of time and you figure out a plan and you get some advice, uh, and you work through it, you can do it.
0: Yeah, that leads us like into a good into a good point because I I think people are curious. Like, okay, you guys all have different backgrounds. Some of you have done a little bit longer stuff. Some of you, this is like your like lorena' saying, your first foray into an ultra. Talk a little bit about like what your training has looked like and it's like a little bit different for everybody based on you know time and family and work and all of that stuff. So if you I don't know maybe you could just give like a, a a snapshot of like how long you've been training, maybe some of the you know just kind of the the outline so people can get an idea of the amount of work that you guys have put into getting ready for for this event. So whoever would like to tackle that first can jump right in. I guess I can go first. Um,
2: so in terms of my training, I feel like I had a pretty good aerobic base starting in the fall of last year. Um, and this is from, you know, thinking about my running experience, I would say I, I really started running for myself in 2015. And then sporadically kind of through those years, I've done some races and had some off periods, you know, working full time in multiple jobs and moving and that sort of thing. So I feel like coming out of the quarantine and COVID, I really started hitting the gym more with strength based training, more than running outside. And that kind of set me up Uh, towards February of this year, which is when I signed up for Ragged. So since February, for me, what I've been doing is taking this um, Google spreadsheet form and logging really just everything I was doing routinely uh, in terms of running on the roads, the type of terrain, the type of strength workouts. Um, And then after I had about two months of that information, evaluating, okay, how do I get from this distance? weekly mileage to where I need to go. um, That's been trial and error, but uh, definitely something that I'm even still working towards and, uh, you know, have leaned on the group and other people to figure
0: that out. Yeah. Awesome. Denise, what about you? What have you been up to? So
1: I've been training, I think this is 20 weeks because it was honestly from Like maybe a week before Run Faster, Further, Stronger started, but like it was like I started with you guys, (laughs) so um, yeah. And as Megan says, like I and she uses the word thrash around. Like I was totally thrashing around at the beginning, but I learned about Zone Two training, so that was my go-to from the beginning till I'd say about. 13 or 14 weeks in, I started like messing around with more higher intensity workouts more regularly. And on like part of it was just, I mean, maybe I needed a little more patience, but I just couldn't do it anymore. (laughs) Like I needed to like just run because I was only walking. Like I couldn't run in zone two. So I was walking, walking, walking and just getting faster, faster, faster. And I can walk pretty darn fast, <laughs> but um, I felt the need to run. So I started running and throughout this whole time I was doing the mobility and strength work with the group. And other than that, it's really like just building things into my day. Like I try to walk as much as I can with my kids and I was skiing. I, now I'm trying to add in biking, just like, I, it's kind of workouts, but it's also like more of just like more movement in my
0: lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So. Lorena, did you want to add to that? Yeah, I was going
2: to say, well, first of all, Denise is so great about incorporating many different forms of walking and movement throughout the day. I know the program. So um, that's something that I'm kind of trying to work towards and incorporate more. So I appreciate that inspiration from you, Denise. Um, but also I feel like I've come at it sort of on the flip side in terms of the zone two training, because I also didn't really know or understand the zones before the program, but I wasn't even tracking my pace or, you know, I had, and, you know, I was just going out for a run. And I think that is just more recreational, but not necessarily good Um, metrics to use for race training. So, um, you know, I only just recently invested in a real running watch to, to figure out, you know, where I am and, and actually gauge, you know, how much of the race I'll be hiking, you know, what is going to be my average finishing time, that sort of thing. But I appreciate kind of that place that I came from, because I think often runners can be hung up on the numbers. And that can also mentally
0: stifle us too,
2: so you know,
0: both ways. Yeah, totally. Nicole, I'd be interested to hear like how your training has been going too, since we have like a couple different varied positions here.
3: Exactly. Yeah. So I was actually going to mention that um, I haven't had the chance to join one of the Run Further Faster groups yet, um, but I have been working with Megan um, just kind of on a client basis. Not kind of on a client basis. Um, and uh, (laughs) I reached out to, um, Megan shortly after I signed up for ragged in February. Um, so we started in March and, um, I have, I still was running pretty consistently, even though I reached out to her in new England winter. So not a whole lot of running outside, but, um, had been running pretty consistently, um, for about 10 years, um, up to this, but, Outside of, you know, the half marathons and whatever, you can really do those in most cases at like a pretty quick pace. Like I was doing like an 8.30, 9-minute mile on a half and just, you know, blowing the thing out, no problem. So I just think it's so funny and it's so refreshing to hear the perspective on Zone 2 because that was like, I got to that point too where I was like, Megan, I'm going to die. Like this is really like, <laughs> This is so slow, <laughs> but but it's all for a
0: reason, you know. Full disclosure, I would get messages from Nicole being like, this sucks. Like, how much more (laughs) of this do I have to do? And I think like, like, are we, like, how many weeks? (laughs) Yeah, how many weeks do we have left of zone two? Like, when am I going to, you know, to Denise's point too, like, when am I actually going to get to do some running? Um, You know, so I think this is, like, a really good perspective for people to hear, not only from, like, a training standpoint in terms of, You know, you don't have to be running a ton of miles super fast in order to be somebody to sign up for this kind of a race, nor do you have to be somebody who's at the tip of the spear in terms of technology and gear and like, you know, all the knowledge, like you don't have to be some like sponsored or elite athlete to do these kinds of races. And you can more than comfortably train and show up to race day with a basic set of gear and like a basic understanding of how to train. It does not have to be some Epic thing. I mean, I was telling Denise uh, earlier today when we were talking one-on-one about, because I've, I've done this race twice now. Um, you know, and we were talking about how to prepare, like taking away all of the um, unknowns, like how much can you prepare ahead of time to just be sure that you're, you know, fu- you're fully confident, you're ready to go when you go into it. And I explained to her, like, you know, my technique, I I knew nobody, I signed up for this thing completely on a whim, um, because I was, I was training for 100 miles that year. And my thought process was, well, if I'm going to, do hundred miles, I probably should be able to do multiple back-to-back days of some pretty decent mileage considering I'm going to be up and moving for, you know, 30 odd hours during this hundred miler. And so I just so happened to find this race and was like, okay, great. This is perfect. So when I showed up my first year, I knew nobody and I essentially made some friends during the, the night before, like reg- like the racer meeting the night before, and then showed up the next day and just hung on to their coattails for like the first two days and was like, you guys have done this race before. I'm just going to follow you. And that's how I kind of, you know, learned the course. I use the term we le- learned the course very loosely because a couple of years ago there were far fewer course markers out there. Um, and then the next time around I knew what to expect. So, you know, nobody expects you to show up and, like, have this thing fully dialed in, and I guarantee you there's going to be people that show up that know far less than you, and they're still just gonna like go out and and do the thing um so don't you know don't feel like you have to have everything, all of the you know the g p x file and the this and the that and the this before you can feel confident about it and I think part of what I love about coaching athletes and like watching throughout this training process is the shift from I've signed up for this race. Holy shit. Now what? (laughs) To getting to, we're like four weeks out, less than four weeks out from this race now. And you got, you, all three of you have come so far in your thoughts and your Process and your training, and the way you talk about the race now versus where you were before, which was much more tentative. I don't know. And throughout this whole thing, you've just built up so much confidence that it's cool for me to see as, like, you know, an outside but also like an inside observer. Um, so I'm, in, I'm curious if you guys have recognized that kind of in yourself through this process. Well, I
1: just say I definitely have, and I think that it's not like Zone Two is like the base of what made me feel capable, but it's all like through the program, I just am totally more aware of my entire body. Like, I guess maybe even my life, just (laughs) like you're like, I'm it's everything's a little more sensitive in the fact that a little thing I will notice where before I just plow right through anything and be like, Oh, it'll, I don't know. I didn't take care of it. I just kept going. And I think that like with zone two training, even though I'm loosely following zone two training now, I'm really proud that I can like know without my watch when I'm in zone two. And then in my, like, I know two other like segments where when I'm at 160 and when 172, like I know those moments and now I'm learning how long I can be in those or like segments so I don't need my watch where originally I actually never I also got a watch during this training like I didn't even have a watch before and I kind of like that but it was really helpful to have the watch and now I can kind of wean off I'm still wearing a watch but (laughs) but I can kind of wean off of it and I'm not like constantly looking at it all the time
0: I think I mentioned that at some point during um maybe it was like the first round of run further, faster, stronger when I was, we were talking about zone two and I remember being on the call and talking about the fact that I wear a watch, but now I don't, I don't really look at it. I'm not tied to it other than I want to just know how long or how far I've gone. And I was saying to people, um, that I could do the same thing that like, I know when I hit like 150, 155 in terms of heart rate, like I don't even have to look at my watch to know. And I remember seeing people's faces and they were just like, you know, if you guys are listening to this on podcast, like you can't see my face right now, but it' like very skeptical furrowed brows. Like people were like, there's no way that you can like, figure this out. But Denise has obviously just demonstrated that through time and practice and like really kind of paying attention to your body. Like you get to that point where you know what you're. Your relative zones are, and in the program we we talked about zone two, but we also talked talked about rate of perceived exertion. So a little less um, picky in terms of numbers, and more so tur- tuned into uh, effort. So you know a, a low number on the scale, like one or two, being kind of what we're doing here, just sitting still, not a lot of movement, all the way up to ten, being just a flat out sprint that you could only sustain for a finite period of time, being able to place a number on your level of effort based on you, your body, what you know to be true about how much you've done, how much you have left in the tank, so to speak, and then those numbers being refined over time as you go on with that training that you're able to maybe operate at a higher capacity but feel like the output is actually lower and that's like the benefit of this zone 2 training or low rpe rate of perceived exertion training um, lorena i know you wanted to add to that what did you what did you want to say well before when you were talking about confidence
2: and that sort of like holy shit moment when you sign up for a race and you think i don't know if i can do this but i'm going to try i was feeling that probably all the way till maybe a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Honestly, I felt even through the program, I wasn't maybe meeting in my own head the expectations I had for where I was at with training. But um, Denise, what you were saying where zone two and kind of that sort of um, comfortable pace made you feel confident that you can move through the race, I think really gives a good entry point for, for people to sign up for something like this, where, you know, it is the Sunday is the national trail race championship. So there will be no doubt that there will be runners who are going to be blazing through the whole thing and passing by. But if you make it about your own race and, you know, your own level of, of, you know, how you can move through, I think it's, it's good. Um, And I will say too, I think confidence is built By every single training run where you go a little bit farther or you push a little bit further than what you thought you were capable of. Um, You know, for me, even this past weekend, when I hit almost 22 miles on the trails, within the first three miles, I, you know, I was testing relatively new sneakers. I mean, I didn't quite tie them well. I don't know what. I slipped on a rock. I hit my shoulder. It's all bruised up. I got bit by something I thought was poisonous. I freaked out. I thought, how the heck am I going to do this if I am in the mountains of New Hampshire in the middle of the race and then have to go, you know, another 20 something or more miles. But I thought, wow, this is good mental training and mental toughness. And, you know, moving through that and, Coming out the other side, plus with the heat and humidity and everything, and then running out of water halfway. I mean, there's so many things that can go, you know, quote unquote, wrong in a training run, but that will better prepare you for the next one. That's how I've felt a little bit more confident each time. Definitely not arrogantly confident, but just feeling like I have a
0: little more experience under my belt to move to the next I love that because I think, you know, that's one of the things that we talk about in the group I try to share <clears throat> on the podcast. Nicole and I have had like training peaks conversations about, you know, quote unquote horrible training runs and and I do it with all of my clients. I get, and she'll attest to this, I get like super excited when people have shitty training runs because there's always something to be learned, to your point, um, Lorena, like if you come out of that run and, you know, all that stuff went wrong, but then you can end up saying, well, I learned X, Y, and Z, then it's, it's not for naught, right. Like you learned something and you're going to be able to use that going forwards. I think that a big part of ultra training is having experiences like those and not letting them stop you dead in your tracks, like being able to, you know, uh, section it off either in your mind, like compartmentalize it and just say, okay, it's a one-off deal. And yes, it was shitty and, or something happened, but here's what I learned. And then going forwards, I either will repeat that with a twist or I won't repeat it at all. Or, you know, I'm going to try something completely different. That's how you develop that mental toughness, that grit, that resiliency that will carry you through. I think it's all far too often. I see, um runners sign up for something like this and then the first terrible run or the first gear malfunction or the first time they get lost or they fall and they bang up their shoulder or get bitten by some mystery something in the woods like they're like that's it I'm out and I can appreciate that like maybe it was a little too far but if you're not willing to get like really uncomfortable then you won't probably be successful in whatever form success means to you in terms of ultras, but you're probably just not going to make it to race day. (laughs) So um, Nicole, what did you want to add to that?
3: Yeah, it was just, I was kind of laughing when you were talking about kind of like the resilience that it takes to do something like this is because I I think I was telling you um, through training peaks a couple of weeks ago when I left some skin on the trail And the, like, I just totally wiped out. Oh my gosh. Like I just dove right down the trail Um, and, you know, scuffed up a good part of my body. But it was one of those things where I was like, I think I mentioned this. I was like, that was a good fall, though. I mean, I was, it's not the first time. It's not going to be the last time, but I didn't get impaled by a skeleton pine tree, (laughs) you know, like this could have been a lot worse. I was able to get up and keep going. But um, it is, you have to, it it really is something that um, it's just so important, you know, you got to be comfortable with uh, being uncomfortable. And um, throughout this process, I've been able to do that so much more regularly, um, that that's definitely giving me the confidence, you know, like, I know that this is going to hurt from well, not hurt, but you know, it's going to get uncomfortable. Um, And I know that I've pushed through uncomfortable and I can continue to push through uncomfortable. But the reason why I I I pulled back and said that it's not going to hurt, it's going to get uncomfortable is because before when I was training, I wasn't incorporating a lot of the mobility training that you include in the programs. And um, I was hurting. I was dealing with injury. I was dealing with pain um, that I was just pushing through and um, it hurt. And the one thing why I wanted to say uncomfortable over being in pain, um, through, uh, through my training here with ragged is because, um, I haven't been in pain. And when, you know, I've started to notice a little discomfort, we talk about it and we learn how to strengthen that area or how to move that area in a way that makes it more functional, um, and alleviates a lot of the stress and the pain that, um, I'm experiencing. So, um, <laughs> you know, it's just, that has helped me be so much more confident in this too. You know, it's like, I know that not only can I keep moving to Denise's point, Like zone two really does allow you to keep moving. Um, but it's also, I know how to tend to, you know, the, the tight spots or the spots that are getting a little bit sore because I now have this mobility skill set that I'm moving forward with and that I'm moving into the bragged with that I've never had before.
0: Love it. I so, love it. You guys can't see me on the podcast, but I'm like doing a celebration dance over here. And not because she's just like talking about the work that she and I do together, but just like I get excited about all athletes finding that part where stuff just works right. You know, like far too often I see and hear about athletes that really want a thing like to do a race or to finish in a certain time or whatever, but all of these things, these aches and pains and cramps and all sorts of stuff, old injuries just start popping up and it keeps them from being able to get to that experience of crossing that finish line, like Lorena was talking about before. And it just breaks my heart to see and hear that from people. So of course I always like do a little dance when I start to hear people putting together the like the breadcrumbs or the puzzle pieces towards getting like a legit training plan together that they can then use to make progress instead of just, it's always one step forwards, two step backwards to the point where they just abandon it altogether. Lorena, what were you going to add to that?
2: I was going to say too, that sort of mental toughness element of any of these kinds of endurance races really translates to life I mean, any sort of challenge we're faced with, you have to figure out a way to move through it. And I feel like anyone signing up for events like this has that in them and can tap into that and vice versa to accomplish the race. And even through the training, I can speak just from my experience, but it has not been just an uphill, you know, gracious climb. And here we are. And I don't think it is that way for anyone. But there's lulls, there's setbacks, there's, I mean, so many things, even for me, family in the hospital, family who's past, things shifting, multiple jobs, having to travel. I mean, I was even out of the country twice <laughs> through the program and figuring out where can I run safely and get my training in while, well, you know, you know, so many different factors. And maybe, you know, I don't think runners are maybe as open about those setbacks as they might want to be or share. But I think it's really important to share on this podcast because, you know, it's the only way that you can actually feel like this is accomplishable because, you know, you will always encounter those. But how do you tap into, you know,
3: your inner grit to move through that? Um, really to Lorena's point about, you know, the, the failure aspect of it and kind of like kind of having to be adaptable or adaptable and, um, learning from failure. Um, one of the reasons why I, I did share pretty much right away, um, with everyone that was willing to listen that I had this, you know, this goal, this goal that was intimidating to me. I didn't know if I was going to accomplish it. Um, but mainly because I'm, so inspired by my own setbacks and my own failure that I wanted to be able to be public about that, you know, and share that learning experience with, um, you know, publicly on social media and then also with my friends and family. And I just like what I was hoping is that by sharing and being so open about my failures and my successes that it inspires other people to be open about their failures and successes because I also learn from that you know, maybe somebody noticed that they could have done something a little bit differently. And I've had that same experience, you know, what did they do um, to overcome that? So I've I've been really open um, the whole time, but it was very much, you know, to the points that both Denise and Lorena made that um, we can learn from some of this, you know, adversity that we're facing during training.
0: Yeah, that's, that's great. And I think that's like, That has been kind of my mission from the very beginning. Part of the reason why I started the podcast was to just like document training process um, and to be able to have conversations and share the ups and the downs and like just be open about look like, Yeah, this stuff is going to happen. Like this is part of the process, and it's it shouldn't deter you to kind of what Lorena was talking about before. Like it shouldn't deter you just because you have a bad run, or you have you have to go out of the country, or you have to do all of these other things. Like I've been harping on kind of this point of late, just that you know I'm not a sponsored athlete. I'm not a paid runner. Like I'm a normal human being who has a job that is yes, focused around health and fitness and running, but like I have work to do. I don't spend all day running despite maybe what like popular belief, you know, I get my training in and then I go to work and do all of this stuff and work with my clients. And so there's going to be times where I sit on my butt a good portion of the day and that's where a lot of this mobility stuff came into play for me and made a huge difference and so part of this whole training process is like finding time to do the things and you know Denise talked about this earlier like being a mom and having a full-time job and yes working from home and or commuting and doing all of these things like you have to find the time that works for you maybe it's just going to be you know walking your kids to camp like Denise did today and then coming home and doing something on your lunch break and or, you know, trading kid duties or meetings or whatever with people so that you can find these, these nuggets of time. And I think like, when it comes to that, people are always looking for a hack or like the secret sauce, the trick that like makes it all work. And my blanket response to that is always, if it's of importance to you, then you will find the time to do it, um, regardless of all the other things. And if it's not, that's okay. Like if it's not a top priority for you to do this thing, that's okay. Then just you don't have to do it, but you can't, lament over not having the time, but then not actually try to make the time. And that's just like a shameless plug I wanted to throw in there because it's a conversation that I've been having a lot lately in like DMs with people about, Oh, how do I, I'm curious about ultra, but how do I do it? Or I don't know. I don't think I could ever do a three-day stage race or a 50 K. And it's like, you totally can, <laughs> you totally can do it and have a job and have kids and do all of this other, other stuff. So Lorena, did you want to add to that? I did. And I wanted to actually add
2: about um, prioritizing because we talked about this in the group too, being sort of ruthless with our schedules, especially people who have certain goals for themselves, whether or not they'd be running goals. Maybe they're building a business. Maybe they're having you know certain goals for their family and, and whatever it may be, they understand the time and commitment it requires. But For people who don't really have that sense of direction for themselves, they might feel put off if you're not able to do something with them or attend this thing or meet this deadline. And and you have to really figure out, okay, well, what are my priorities? And I don't know where I read this or learned this from, but um, that sort of excuse that if someone has um, mentioned, oh, I don't have the time for that, to shift and say, oh, well, that's not a priority for me in your head or to the person and then see how that feels. Because if you feel good about that, then it's the right decision for you. But if you feel a sense of unease, then you know, okay, you're not in alignment with what your personal goals are. How do you reorient? And that's been a learning process through this and I feel like for me, I'm someone who wants to, not people please, but really like exceed expectations of people and meet them where they are and want to be there for everyone. But then you feel stretched and then there's no way to get in your training either, because then you feel like you, you just physically can't, you're drained and moving through that for me has been really critical especially the last few weeks so
0: yeah i'm so glad you brought that up cuz i do think that often people use time more so as an excuse to not have to do the work and or not have to confront the fact that they aren't upping their game to what they say they want um or what they truly want and it's it's hard to reorganize sometimes your whole life like you know Denise has shared a little bit about that in the group Nicole I know you've had challenges with that just in terms of like you know um celebrations and travel and you know things of that nature that you're doing and it's just like you you know I, I and mean, who was I telling this to before this is where my brain starts to get fried and I can't remember who I've told stories to or where I was having the conversation, but it was just like, if you want the thing bad enough, then you will make the time for it. And you, people, you need to be open with people about what your goals and priorities are. And if they get it, I think we were talking about this in the group the other night, like that, that they'll, no matter, yeah, no matter, Denise's, you can't, if you're listening to the podcast, you can't see this, but Denise is like doing this thing with her hands where the fingers like line up. And this is like, this is the motion that I was making the other night on the call. It's like, if you have these goals, peep, and, and then someone else recognizes that regardless of whether or not they're a runner, they will wholeheartedly support you and, you know, Show up for you and and you know be on your side, but if they're not quite there yet or they just don't understand, they might not, and that's just going to be kind of the reality of the situation. But you have to be um, advocating for yourself and saying like, "Look, I need help with this, or this is what I'm going to do. Like, how can we make this work?" Um, and then then stuff starts to like fall into line. But I do think that's I'm kind of off topic here, about like that is a big obstacle, I think for a lot of people in terms of getting to this point of tackling some of these, these big goals. Yeah. Nicole, what were you going to say?
3: So I was just going to touch on, um, kind of how to, so it's this weekend I have, uh, I think it's five hours and then another the next day, two and a half hours on the trail. And, um, it's just, it's just funny how sometimes when you want to make these priorities, you know, obviously training for this is my biggest focus aside from other career goals that I have. Um, but this is my biggest focus in my personal life right now is this race and training for this race. And, um, my daughter is at summer camp on Friday and my husband and I both have the day off. And so we were talking about doing something and I was like, all right, so I really wanna get this five hour on the trails done. You wanna come with me? <laughs> and he's like, uh, but he's but he's totally gonna to come with me. So we're gonna do this five hours on the trails together on Friday. And it's like it's it is very cool, you know, when you have someone in your life, and I'm fortunate to have that be my partner, but you know, he's meeting me there and not only meeting me there, but I mean he's there. He's gonna be there, you know. <laughs> so which is very cool. So Um, so just to kind of build off of that, you know, it's like, it it feels really good when you have that support. Um, but you really do have to advocate for yourself. Like you were saying, Megan, like you really do need to advocate for yourself and your goals and the right people, the people that do love and support you will be there and will support you. Um, and, and just is what it is.
0: I love it. All right. Let's, let's bring it all back to ragged and let's just, um, kind of wrap in here. I would love to hear what is your like goal for ragged? And so to give like people context, like not only when I work with people one-on-one, but in the group, we've always talked about, okay, what's our goal for the race and having not just like one goal, but having maybe some tiers of goals. So let's, I'll just say, I'll give an example. So if I were going to run ragged this year, I would say, you know, my first, and foremost goal is to finish every day solid, right? You guys can't see this, but they're all nodding their heads right now. You can't steal this answer. You have to give your own answer, <laughs> right? And then, so if that doesn't happen for whatever reason, then what's my second goal, right? Like honing in. Because I think what happens is we get into trouble. And I always just use the term we as like general runners, like we as runners get into trouble when we just decide that we're going to have one goal. And if it's a speed goal or a pace goal, and you're just so honed in on that, that you can't see the forest through the trees, and you can't see that there's still value in completing the thing, even if you didn't hit that specific goal, then that's where you get into trouble. Because then you think, oh, it's a total loss. Um, because I didn't get this thing. Well, you, you still did the damn thing and you did really well. You just didn't hit this one goal. So when we talk about goal setting, we always have like, at least we have one main one. And then a few, it could be like, I've had people give me like 10 things. (laughs) Like if this, if not this, then this, then this, then going all the way down the list so that there's literally No way they can fail. I mean, the only way they would be able to fail is if they just didn't show up for the thing, right? So uh, let's start. I'm going to call people out. Lorena, what is your objective (laughs) for Ragged for your race? What are you going to do? Give me at least one, if not two, or three things that you want to do. Well, you said I can't steal your answer, which I'm not, but
2: I am so I am signed up for the 50 K on Sunday, I will not be completing the full stage race. With that said, my original baseline goal was to finish the race to get through the whole thing, start to end um, and not lag too much at the aid station. So not spending, you know, 20 minutes there and recovering or something. I feel like having the momentum to, to move through the whole thing is important. Um, Then my second tier goal is to get under 11 hours because there's a 12 hour cutoff for that day. And I don't want to be at the very, very, very last end of the pack, but I feel like that's a pretty manageable time if you're hiking a good chunk of it. Um, It would be absolutely excellent if I got under 10 and those are pace based goals. But also, I think in the program we were talking about, heat and the conditions and those can be good goals as well so depending a couple of weeks out on what those conditions look like for me heat training is really critical i did a spartan super in 2018 in palmerton pennsylvania where the conditions were almost 100 degrees high humidity i had a midday start time it was an eight to ten mile race with the obstacles, everything in between, and despite the fact that I had my hydration, electrolytes, my bananas, all those things, um, and I got through the race, they called it, and basically everyone after me was barred from from starting, and they canceled the elite pack. I ended up two hours after finishing in the hospital, and they thought I had rhabdomyolysis, which is a life threatening condition. So. That was as a direct result of feeling the impacts of the heat. And so if it's going to be really hot, really sticky, what is my plan? And so I think executing on the plan I have is also a goal separate from finishing. Um, And that's something we're constantly working through. But it is good to to just plan ahead and and to figure out, you know, there's always going to be variables you can't plan for. And so what are your contingencies and what is the support you can get there? And then as an aside too, I think um, it's not a really race-based goal, but meeting people on the trails, having the community built. I've already felt a sense of community from the Run Farther, Faster, Stronger program. Whereas before I really didn't have a running community. I mean, just in the last few months, I, I got plugged in with, A local running group, but, um, I really had been running solo since, you know, 2015. So, um, you know, that sense of camaraderie getting through the experience is, you know, a goal, but also just a
0: nice perk from, uh, being able to be part of the race. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I do want to just touch real quick on what you said about the heat training, because, um, in my, in, in, episode 29 of the podcast, the last episode that I just released, um, we, that was like my whole goal for my, my last race, my last 50 K. So that this isn't just a shameless plug for listening to that episode of the podcast, but really that that was my whole goal. Like once I saw that the race conditions were going to be so hot and humid, I totally shifted my, Uh, goals, yes, I wanted to finish. And of course I had a time in my mind that I wanted, but for me, I have a, another race coming up down the pipe in September that has the potential to be super hot and like very difficult for me. So instead of, you know, just kind of proverbially blowing myself up and trying to just push through this past race to just get a better time, my focus was Finishing, ha- managing my core temperature, my body temperature, my hydration, my fluids, so that I had zero issues. And for me, that was a huge win. I accomplished that goal, that objective that I set out for. So, your goals, and this is just for everybody listening, they do not have to be time based, pace based, place. You don't have to place in the top 10. Like, you can legitimately sign up for this stuff, show up, and finish it and feel. Just as elated as the people that win the race. I just want to put that out there and your objectives can be to, to move from aid station to aid station and or work on your nutrition and your hydration like your race goals do not have to be beating your previous time beating your neighbor's time, you know, like that kind of stuff. Like it's solely about you and your objectives for that race. So I just wanted to piggyback off of that because you brought up the heat and it pairs nicely with what we just talked about and the fact that we don't have to have pace goals. So, uh, okay, Nicole, what is your goal for the stage race? Definitely. So, um,
3: I would say that, Probably one of my biggest goals is the goal that you gave, but I'm not stealing because if I don't actually say it, I don't steal it, right?
0: <laughs> but um, I really didn't set you guys up <laughs> for success with that because I basically got did low-hanging fruit. And then I said, no, you can't steal it. But at the very, yes, we always want to set the goal to finish. So I guess I should just like...
3: Yeah, so I guess it would be nice, you know, um, really similar to Lorena. I would love to... Um, you know, Sunday, try and finish, um, before 11 hours, like same, you know, if I could do it under 10, amazing. Um, but I'm not trying to beat any world records here. Um, and then Friday and Saturday, I just really in Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, I really want to get through the course, you know, intelligently. Um, and that really is what that means to me is, um, we had when you were talking about um, the podcast that you just released with the um, race that you did where it was really hot, Um, I had a 22 mile run week, uh, uh, the same weekend. So it was so hot. And I know exactly what conditions you were talking about. It was hot. It was humid. It was like 85 degrees by the time I finished. And it was as soon as I stopped that run, the thought that went through my head and it was really surprised, I surprised myself with this thought was I'm still sweating. Like that is awesome. I'm still sweating. I've, you know, I've got my hydration on point that 22 miles in, 85 degrees. And we're probably looking like close to the same in humidity. I'm still sweating. And I still like, so I felt really proud of myself for that. And, um, then I thought, Oh, cool. I ran 22 miles. Um, but, you know, it's, so that's something that I really want to be smart about, you know, throughout this is I want to do this throughout my life. I don't want this to be the last time I do this. So to your point, Meg, I don't want to blow myself up in this race. You know what I mean? I want to do this and enjoy this and the camaraderie that Lorena was talking about, you know, um, I want to build this into my life. Um, and so, I want to go out there, absorb everybody else's skills, you know, the things that they're, they're utilizing to be successful, um, learn from everybody there. Um, And then also, you know, for some reason it's a hard sell to try and convince somebody to go run 150 miles over eight days through the Alps. So I'm looking for a partner for next year. So (laughs) I'm looking to make some friends (laughs) So if you're on this race, find me and we'll be friends. Um, but yeah, so that's that is just a very selfish goal I have. <laughs> but um, yeah, and then just save it. You know? Yeah, I just want to savor it. I go through so many races where it's like I don't even remember it. You know, I just get I, I I I tow the line and then I'm crossing the finish and I'm like, what happened? You know, and I didn't experience it. I want to experience this because we have all worked so hard to get here to just like blow through it and not even savor that experience would be such a bummer for me. So those are my goals.
1: Yeah. So I really, my goal really is to finish, (laughs) but, but there's a little more to it. I, similar to what Nicole was saying, I want to finish, but I want to feel good the next day, like I don't want to be like limping around the next day, or like if I don't know what my kids will want to do, but like let's say they want to go for a bike ride, like I don't want to be like, oh, I'm too sore. I just did this 80 mile race. <laughs> like, like even though that is a legitimate excuse, I don't want to have it. <laughs> so that's my like, big goal. Um, and like honestly. If I don't, like, the secondary goal is what I've been doing the whole time is just, like, getting the work in, getting it in my daily rituals and habits, and continuing that on post-race. So, technically, even if I don't finish, I've already met my goal. Uh, And that might not be very inspiring to other people, but... (laughs)
0: No, I think it's, I think it is inspiring. And I think it is valuable because as we have all talked about in some capacity, at some point, up to this point in time, the, the process is the thing, right? Like, we 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 do the process in order to get to the race and have the experience. But um, Denise said something really awesome um, during our call today, which was like, you can go through the motions or you can do the work. And you know, we can all go through the motion of just you know running and like logging the miles and kind of half-ass it, or you could show up and be focused and do the work and put in the time that's going to adequately prepare you for the thing that you want to do this challenge. And so I'm always going to push everybody, whether you're a client of mine or whether you're listening to the podcast to do the work, because that will not only prepare you, but it will make you more resilient. It will teach you so much about yourself. It will help you build your self-confidence. The, the thing that I hate to see is people going through the motions and then showing up to a race and DNFing because they just weren't prepared because they didn't do the work. Right. It's like kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Um, But that's a perfectly acceptable goal to have decided to sign up for this race, train for it, and then have it be a lifelong habit. Like you're installing this lifelong versus just you're you know you're hurling yourself headlong towards this race you do the race and then that's it like that would be in my mind the worst possible outcome because you didn't learn anything from it i mean other than the fact that maybe you're not cut out for it or that you didn't have the capacity to do the work but like we want to be doing this stuff long term right i think that's like most of our goals um i in just thinking about some goals there's
2: one more that i wanted to add if that's okay well so another personal goal with with this race in particular is um the elevation really freaks me out and has since i started um you know the training and signing up for it it's over 6000 feet and i do have a fear of heights <laughs> which is very counterintuitive to signing up for something like this but um also being able to you know there's there's three ascents and descents throughout Sunday's race um and so get kind of like checking the box with each one and savoring that experience and feeling a little bit more confident every one that I move through um is a goal and then also just i I'm just looking forward to the very end where coming down ragged mountain I'm getting through the line and I can say I did something I thought was completely impossible for me. Uh, I think Denise, you mentioned earlier, um, you know, the introduction to us as athletes, you know, how do we see ourselves if we are not sponsored or paid for doing any of this stuff? You know, we do this voluntarily, but um, reframing our own self-perception and, you know, what are we capable of and using events like this just as a little, bit of a confidence booster to you know how we show up in our lives and for the people we love so that's a huge goal for me too.
0: and nobody can take that away from you like that's the other part you know that like once you've done that nobody can take that away from you and you will always have that tucked in your back pocket and then whenever you're having one of those days you get to pull that thing out and be like, yeah, well, guess what? (laughs) You know, like I did this thing that I previously once thought was so impossible and it's not anymore. So if I can do that, then I can do pretty much anything. Yeah. Nicole. Okay. And I also have one more goal and I can't believe I didn't mention it, (laughs) but, um,
3: definitely, you know, I want to like one of the main reasons why I do a lot of the races that I do and really make any goal and try to achieve any goal that I make is um, I, you know, I have a six-year-old daughter that's looking up to me, and it's there's you know every single time I cross a finish line and she's on the other side, it just it's everything to me, you know. And so that when you said that, Lorena, when you're like crossing the finish line, I'm like, oh yeah, because that's gonna be like, I mean, just the most incredible feeling to have gone through what we've gone through. You know, um, just you know, Sunday especially is gonna be. A distance, you know, Um, but that weekend, and then being able to, you know, have her feel that pride, and then also showing her that, you know, um, as a woman, as a mom, as a working mom, that I have this set of personal goals. I have this identity outside of these roles that I have in my life, which have their own separate goals, of course, but I have preserved this part, um, this for myself. You know, and that it is important for women to be doing this, um, to be able to set aside these goals for themselves um, and to, you know, really just advocate for themselves to have the support they need to be able to follow through with them. And that's really something that's incredibly important for me to show her. So, yeah.
0: And I know Denise has had, Denise and I have had conversations about that too with respect to her her two little ones and how you know, using this, um, and you know, full disclosure, I don't have kids, but I'm one of four kids and I've seen many and coached many parents through some of this stuff. And there's nothing better than for you to set the example of like lifelong you know, active, healthy behavior and to show especially your young girls. And I coach girls on the run if you're not familiar with that program, but like a a program for girls grades three through five to teach them running, but also, you know, self-confidence and all sorts of other like uh, values and, you know, how to, how to like navigate the world, the greater world, the greater social world and having self-confidence and, I wish I had had that program when I was growing up. So it's like the coaches and I, this is like a a big aside, but like the coaches and I, every time we coach this program, it's like we go through it with them. (laughs) Like we have, we always have our own like revelations and we always come out every season better than we went in because now we're putting all of this stuff that we're teaching the girls into practice, even though. We know it, we just, you know, sometimes we get out of practice, but to be able to show those girls, to show your kids, to show other family members that this is important and that you are, you know, demonstrating that behavior is, is everything. Like you were saying, Nicole, it's just, it's everything. So Lorena, did you want to add to that? Yeah, I was going to say there's something to be said
2: for sort of trailblazing the path in your family especially if you don't come from a history of people, you know, really invested in their health or fitness. And, um, you know, I, I didn't feel like growing up and moving through into adulthood that I had those examples in my family to look to, but my family has been super supportive through it. It's just, you know, a matter of, you know, what is the legacy you want to set? What is the example you want to set? And Nicole, I just, you know, raised my hand when you said, you know, it's important for women to get out there on the trails to show everyone, you know, what we are capable of, because it's so true. And you think about access to trail running, I mean, you just really put it bluntly, you just put on your sneakers and and go in terms of, you know, signing up for these things, but also the community that we develop through an event like this um, and through the process is invaluable. And it's, I think, the most memorable thing um, and what I hope to carry forward, you know, onto the next goal, next challenge, next um, training. And just thinking about it, like Megan, you said, I think in a previous podcast episode, but it's just another training run. So in the end, it's like the celebration and just a step along the journey. It's not the end it's um just you know we keep moving through
0: it i think we should end on that because that was so well said (laughs) nicely done (laughs) um i just want to thank all of you for spending your time like sharing and talking and um i'll let all the listeners in on the little like bomb I dropped on you before we hit record on this, which is my secret goal was to get you all back here (laughs) after you've completed the race so that we can share and dish and we can hear all of your stories and your experiences. Because, you know, like we were talking about before, when I was talking to Denise about you guys reading all the race reports and stuff, like everyone's going to experience this race differently. Like even though all three of you have had a fairly similar training experience. You're all gonna move through the race differently and have different perspectives. And so I think especially for um something like this, this stage race and the 50K, which is it's one of the toughest 50Ks I've ever I've ever done or I've ever heard of. um, It would be really great to get you guys back to like for people to be able to hear the before and after. So I would love uh for you all to do that if you are game for that. So We set the bar. We have to come back. (laughs) You're right. You do. Thank you. There you go. Done. Done and dusted. We're going to pencil you in. Well, ladies, thank you so much for your time. It was so great to see you all. And, uh, of course, I will see you in the group and I will see you on Training Peaks. But – if it's okay with you guys, then I would love to like share your social handles with people so that they can follow along and support you and cheer you on. Um, or if you'd like to provide them like another way to cheer you on, we can totally do that too. So awesome. What do you guys think? Pretty cool, right? Those are three kick-ass ladies that I knew I wanted to have on the podcast when I found out that they were all doing the race because I think they have really interesting and varied viewpoints and thoughts and perspectives and they share a common bond in this race and so I'm really excited to see them take on this challenge and come out the other side. And yes, I am obviously very excited to have them all back on the podcast again so that you can hear firsthand their experiences, kind of like a little before and after. So I'll post their social handles in the show notes below. You can go and follow them and cheer them on. They have a little less than three weeks left before the race. So be sure to go over there, say hi, and give them a high five for taking on such an epic challenge. You heard in the episode that uh, Nicole works with me one-on-one and Lorena and Denise have been part of the Run Farther, Faster, Stronger group. We just kicked off round number three for run farther, faster, stronger. So applications are closed. You can't sign up for it. And it's going to be a few months before I open another round. But if you want to stay ahead of the game and know when the next round is going to open up, I'll post a link in my show notes where you can get on my email list if you are not already there. All right, you guys, I hope that you enjoyed that episode. Enjoy this beat and I'll see you all soon.